Yeah. And if you yeah. say it to Jake or say it to Nicky. Well, I'm just going to say how many points to Jake. Jake, he was getting <laughs> so many points. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I've got a few points as well. No. <laughs> 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 say something for the sound. Hello, a bit more. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lauren Sayer. I'm Nikki Pope. And that was delicious. Oh, good. Well, there's plenty more. Amazing. And then, please. I'm Pete Burkill. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the next edition of the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Lauren Stone. And I'm Nikki Pope. And that was just a little taster of who we had in the kitchen. I know, very exciting. <laughs> we had Akin and Pete down to talk about all things about juggling and, yeah. and coping with doing a column and clients, with session work, with education, with travelling in and out. Yeah, it was really nice as well because they kind of knew each other, didn't they, because they worked together. Yeah. But now they've gone off and done their own things and yeah. Fantastic so catching up. Nice to get them back in the kitchen together. And just for anybody concerned, that beginning bit there, we were eating cakes. Oh, yeah. That's what the <laughs> wow reference is. <laughs> so here you are. Here's the rest of the conversation. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. And welcome to two fine gentlemen at the table with us today. I know. Very exciting. We've finally got Akin Kanizi in the kitchen. And Pete <laughs> Welcome, guys. So, we've got lots to talk about, but first, let's just remind everybody what you two are up to at the moment. So, Pete, you're currently based at Josh Wood, working there, but I know you do lots of other things as well, session styling. Yeah, so juggling lots of hats from, um, I'm creative director in the UK for Alter Ego, which is a, a, a ethical green product company. I work at Josh Wood as a haircutter, so working with his creative projects and campaigns, which is really great. And then lots of session editorials, celebrities, so lots of lots of hats juggling, busy. but, but busy and, and loving life. precisely why we invited you, because we're going to be talking about how tricky that is. Yeah. But a, a master, we think, of disguise. Yeah. <laughs> a master, master of juggler. Akin Kanitsi. So Akin, yeah. you head up the Hob Salons and Academies brand yeah it's a i think of it as a brand rather than a yeah i think I, I think of it as a brand as well over the years you um have to kind of expand the way that you think of your business and you can't just be a hairdresser so i'm no longer uh, just a hairdresser and i don't want to be a hairdresser i want us, as all as hairdressers to be more than that so now <laughs> i am um creative director um I'm also one of the three business partners. There's me, Clive and Paul. Yeah. Um, I do lots of travel. You do lots of shows. So you represent your hob salons, but also working a lot with Weller internationally. Yeah, I mean, is Weller right? is our uh, business partner. Yeah. So I do lots of shows around the world with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but apart from Weller, I also do lots of other shows that we go to different academies around the world, around Asia, Japan, etc., um, which I love. Obviously, that's quite hard work, and when I get away and I'm away for a, a week or two, then I've got to come back and put my uh, business hat back on. And I think that a lot of people don't realise how how much I'm involved in the business. I mean, I, I started off as a hairdresser, but um, I've had a, a business by myself and seen the um, the perils of that. Yeah, and I've, challenges. Yeah, definitely. And for the last thirty three or thirty four years, I've been with Clive and Paul. Um, and so I, I juggle three, four, five hats a day from, you know, from hairdresser to, to counsellor to, um, yeah. 
all kinds of things. And don't you think maybe, um, let's open it up and say, I think over the last 20 years since I've been observing or part of the hairdressing industry, it's become even more possible and even more desirable to have kind of like um, a role that incorporates lots of different jobs and aspects to it. Do you think that's fair to say in the last 20 years that being a hairdresser can mean an awful lot more different things than, than it might have done 20 it, yeah. years ago. You don't have to choose one path. Yeah, and I think that's what's what's so great about this industry. There's so many different avenues um, that use the different parts of the brain. Like I can say, from managing people or even time and schedules and, and you know, working on television or working at a shoot, they're all using a different part of your brain and your creativity and I think it's amazing that we can we can do that and, and reach out to people who are maybe not hairdressers, what yeah. a fantastic career and industry it is. Yeah, I guess as well as, as if you want to grow as a hairdresser, you need to be getting involved in all of these different aspects of the business and, you know, how... Not, how, not necessarily. Not necessarily. No. I think it's a choice. It, yeah. It's a harder choice than it used to be because you, you did... You used to be able to be a hairdresser, yeah, mm-hmm. and you would grow your clientele, mm-hmm. and you'd get busier and busier and busier, and you'd save lots of money, and then eventually you'd either open a salon or you'd retire or whatever. Yeah. Whereas the the options open to hairdressers now are are much wider. What with the um, social media aspect of it, mm-hmm. the travel, session the education, styling, the session styling, yeah. it's not for everybody, and and we really don't need everybody to be wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you get older, you you tend to want to expand your 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 parameters, your yeah. horizons, and use the qualities and, and skills that you acquire. And and for me, it's very important that I I not only cut hair, which is my favourite thing yeah, to do, of course. Yeah. It's better than anything else. Yeah. But I also like to work with my managers to improve their skills and 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 their effectiveness because of all the learnings that I've had and I like again to talk to, to the young apprentices just to show them well actually you've got a big journey ahead of you and this yeah. is how you best do yeah. it yeah and it's a long career isn't it these days I mean mm. and it's rewarding but I think there you have it don't you You have the as you said Pete on the one hand it's fantastic to have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do it but then as you said Aki we don't want everyone to be wanting right. to have such a very portfolio because actually it's really important that the industry has some cohesion and keeps the salon side of the industry going yeah and I, and I think that's that's the thing is is you know when I started 15 years ago it was everything was in print so you you'd get your magazine you'd look at it you'd want to be behind the scenes to understand how that world happened yeah whereas now you can kind of sit back and observe from the outside you know people are posting live stories on social media they're they're opening this world up so people have got a lot more of an understanding about what goes on on these events yeah, yeah. um and i think I, well, I know a lot of hairdressers that are really happy to sit back and watch that as opposed to wanting to get stuck in with it yeah. which which as you say it's great if so everyone tell us was a the bit same. about your journey then because obviously you you and akin worked together didn't yeah you? yeah um and then how did you kind of come to get into the editorial side of things and and how do you now juggle the two yeah, I mean, so my journey, I, I went travelling, I, I worked on live television in New Zealand for three years, which was amazing, being under pressure with a camera in front of you, how to talk and stand, and from New Zealand was when when Hob were just, you know, they were winning everything. At the time I came back to London, Akin was British Hairdresser of the Year for the third time, and um, 
and I came back, I had interviews with everyone and, and met up with the guys at Hub and, and there was no other place I wanted to be and spent six years there and got into the creative team and got to travel with Akin and I think for me the skills I learned from Akin are not necessarily what he might think he passed on, it's it's, it's actually quite amazing when, when I go into these environments and I, I almost put my Akin hat, hat oh, on. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, and it's, <laughs> Everyone it's, needs an Akin hat. They do. I was wondering what that hat got to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's amazing. And, and after six years of, of being there with, with, as you mentioned earlier, Nikki, a brand that's got such a strong brand identity, I just, yeah. I got to where I was being asked to do things and, and wanted to explore myself outside of a, a brand. Um, and I was really lucky that people were wanting to work with me. Um, so that soon led to uh, being a, approached by an agent. So um, I, I went with them. So they, they're they responsible for getting my portfolio out to, to different people and brands so I can work with them. Um, at the same time, Alter Ego was coming to the UK and they approached me, which, you know, it was pretty exciting to have a new brand that yeah, didn't yeah. have any kind of identity There's in no the UK. There's no preconceptions of it already. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to, to kind of get stuck in with it. So, you know, I work really hard doing it, but I feel incredibly lucky that um, it fell into place the way it did. Yeah. So how do you manage your time then in terms of, do you have a certain amount of time that you have to dedicate to Ultigo and... Yeah, yeah, I get the dates uh, uh, about six months before. So I just, I, I, you know, I have to communicate with Josh, my agent, Fiona, Alter Ego, and, and try and get everything to work together. So, Akin, how do you, um, you probably just do it second nature these days, but do you have a way of organising your workload and organising your thoughts about it? Do you have like Monday is director's day or Tuesday no. is creative day? Or no, I, I read. I think, like I said, I've been in the, in the industry for 40 years. So it's been an evolution of my character as well as my role. Mm-hmm. Um, so going from a hairdresser that wanted to only cut hair or braid hair, um, I also knew that I needed to, to expand into business because I didn't want to just stand behind a chair by myself. I wanted to have my own salons. I wanted, And so... I've had to change and evolve and adapt and that's been like growing into a tight shoe for my whole career. Right. <laughs> so I, I kind of, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. been painful. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it, yeah. But um, it looks amazing. <laughs> it, listen, I can't say I don't enjoy it, but there are times that I enjoy it less than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and the further I push myself, sometimes I push myself a little bit too far because there are too many aspects of it that I enjoy and I'm a bit of a control freak and I can't let them go. Yeah. So um, some most of the time I try to not have to organise myself. I find right. I work, like for example, I have given absolutely no thought to what I'm going to say today at the interview because I feel that I will speak my truth, I will be my truth more at, in, in being creative rather than... than thinking about things too much and being pre-planning because yeah. yeah. it's, it's it, there'll be a confirmation of what I already am I don't want that I'm constantly trying to recreate myself and grow into something that is, is is something I'm pleased with so some mornings it really I have got this mental picture where I'm being creative and then somebody comes at me with something and I have to be upstairs in a meeting in the boardroom with a big 
product company and it's probably going to affect the whole future of the, all of my staff and myself and Clive and Paul and I have to come out of being a creative and be a business person all of a sudden mm. and, yeah. and I have to think well where is that hat mm. and now I know you've got, got it, it. <laughs> <laughs> I but, it, it. but yeah. I actually feel like I take a hat off yeah and I put a and hat how easy on. is that to do though I mean, well you, you have, there has to be a process and it really for me is a bit of a hat and I have to I have to, it normally comes with a coffee in between yeah right? it used to be a cigarette Okay. So there'd be a cut phase, but now a it's like of, yeah, a moment of right. Relief. Okay, now I'm going into this. And in some days, it's like I would be um, going morning and be an educator coming out of, of of demos and go straight into a meeting, and that is really hard. But I've got such a fantastic team around me mm. that they, you know, I, sometimes they say it's like. The, the devil wears Zara with me. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I have people coming at me with coffee yeah. and notepads and information packs and everything ready. And it's almost like a, a clothes change. What do they call it when they do a, yeah, a change? Costume change. change. Yeah, costume, costume change. change. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm straight in. Into yeah. a different character. And it's, then like, it's like you're such yeah. a fierce. Yeah. 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 And now this is And I know I, I can be a little bit kind of... Um, I don't know about deaverish, but it has been said. <laughs> but it's, it's hard. I think it's really difficult. I agree with you, Akin, and I, it yeah. is tough. Stress is an option. Stress, no, stress is optional. Stress, stress is optional. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I love to remember that. And it makes me smile. Yeah. I mean, you know, how true that is, yeah. is questionable, right? Yeah. But it makes you smile, doesn't it? Because yeah. actually, well, yeah, I suppose yeah, it is, isn't it, really? It is, isn't it? And I think it but, is, but when you're in the moment, it's quite hard to actually realise, you know, I'm getting stressed. It all seems to happen so quickly, doesn't yeah. it? You know, and it's, but you and can stress use it as a, a, as a fuel. Stress yeah. is a fuel. Yeah. I think you can harness it. It's become a bit of a dirty word. People yeah. say, oh, she's a bit stressed. It's a, it's a bit of a, you know. And if someone, if someone says that to you, that, you know, yeah. it totally so, gets you so back up. Yeah. So stressy. <laughs> and then you just feel really, yeah. Well, it translates to they're in a bad mood. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not the which case, is, not, is it, no, when you're going no. through it? I mean, I don't know why you're asking me. You should be asking Peter about it, <laughs> <you>, really. Because... <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> so, so what do you say no to then, Pete? What do you, what have you learned to say no to? Or what things do you... For better or worse, do you say no to anything? Are you good at saying no? And we're talking about work still, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, glad you cleared that up. Um, that would have been a short answer, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nothing. No. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of really great fashion editorials come up on a Sunday, oh, and okay. it's still one day my partner and me get together. Right. I'm getting better at saying no to that, but there's also that in you when you get a really great mood board sent through and you're like, I just have to do it. Well, and it's yeah. hard as well because you are, I guess, in a different position to Akin that you're still building your career. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's all, you know, it's two years. It, it was just over two years in September that I've been doing this. And so everything still excites me. Yeah. You know, it's doing things for myself, which is just, it's great. And, and the stress level, it does come, but... I'm quite lucky that if I have a weekend back in Yorkshire with my family, I soon think, God, I'm so lucky to live that life in London. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and it, it's easy. Yeah. It's you don't realise how much you enjoy it until you come out of it, do you? No, you don't. And the, and the amazing people you get to meet and the experiences that we can have in this industry and you, you do, you reflect and think, wow, how's that just happened? Yeah. It's, it's, so I'm still really excited by everything. But maybe a bit of a, so maybe it's just the little boundaries for time, safeguarding a bit of, downtime yeah time for your relationship time for family 
and, and respecting your knowledge and your experience. How asking would you, if you were in that mm. position now, you, are you just quite blunt and quite, or would you no, still I'm, feel that I'm anxiety? A, again, as I say, in your evolution, I've found that actually I'm far more, um, not compromising, but understanding of people's predicaments. Right. And so I will cut my prices down because I, one, of the, one of the biggest things that I think is important for us to have as, as, a, as a skill is to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes, mm -hmm. right. to see their perspective. Mm. I mean, that for me is, is, is a real learning for me. Um, and if somebody's trying to, to cut your price down because they just want to make themselves a lot richer and they've got lots of money already, that's a different issue. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if somebody can't afford it, and you are quite expensive anyway, but they're, they're an organisation that you know really would love to have you or, or they need you, or, then, okay, I, you know, a lot of, most of the work I do is for free. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of haircuts I do, I'm mean, going to charge, I mean, my price for a cut and blow dry is £550. Wow. Yeah, I've only got two clients. You just give me a trim. I've only got two clients. I'm not surprised. Right. And, I, and, and I can't bear to charge them that. I charge them about £300. Yeah. And yeah. they're stinking rich, stinking, yeah. stinking. But my point was to charge that much so they'd stop coming to me so I could get on with my work. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And that, that was the only way I could do it. So what I ended up doing was cutting a lot of them for free because they really wanted me to cut their hair. Because, you know, you, there, becomes a, there becomes a point where you're not doing it for money and you have to think long term mm -hmm. and our industry and our and our global economy forget about our national economy is in trouble and i think it's going to be a case of the strong will survive mm. and the less strong will do what they're able to do only that they'll mm. do what they're able to do and that's mm -hmm. what i was saying earlier about not everybody can be a pete no yeah. you know pete was a, a massive part of our company and our business and my plans but i always knew that he'd be amazing whatever he does but some people need to do what they're best at and that is to do clients yeah yeah you know or to to run a salon so mm. pete's gone off in a session uh, direction and that seems to be very popular now but i don't think that's doing our industry any good at all no because a lot of people can't do session you know pete can do great hair not everyone mm. that does session can do great hair i'm afraid mm. yeah you yeah. know so our, our industry needs to be protected against the the, the lack of practice and skill yeah and craft um so for me, as I say, I will do some shows in some countries that I know are desperate for us to be there, for me to be there, but can't afford me. And you know what? I will cut my price yeah. Yeah. because it's not the days when I could charge what I was charging. And if I go to a country that can afford me at my old price, great. Yeah, you feel like you're in a position now where you can kind of pick and choose, and you do do find it easier to say no if you've got too much on your plate or you're trying to juggle things. I mean, do you mm. still work hard at the weekends and? Mm. Listen, I, I, I don't feel any richer now or rich enough mm. to, to, to not work hard. I'm still developing myself. I'm still developing myself as a hairdresser. I think one of the insecurities that come to you as a hairdresser, you're always out for the approval of your clients and my clients being students or, mm. or, or, com or countries or whatever. Um, so I'm always out to improve. Um, but I will protect my, my social mm. time slightly. I mean, it, it potentially it cost me my marriage uh, because I was traveling so much initially yeah I mean yeah. whether or not that's the truth I don't know but I did do too much I do think hairdressing is one of those industries yeah. where um life and work do blend a lot more which yeah. is yes. great you know and especially when you are younger there's no particular finite ending and 
things happening in the evenings and overnights and, and yeah. social friendships. Yeah. 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 yeah, but yeah. I think that that is also can be. I think not only do I think I don't do that as much anymore, but I don't think our industry does it as much anymore. I think it's kind of gone through that period of it being proper rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little bit more respectable to our families, and so I make sure that if, if I can keep a weekend, you know, I keep time for my boys, I keep time for my fiance, um, and um, I, I, I make sure there is a life and work balance. Yeah. But I think it has. Yeah, it's very easy as a hairdresser to. I mean, every hairdresser's got best friends who are hairdressers because yeah. it kind of is a career that unless you understand it, you know, it's more of a lifestyle, isn't it? I'm sure, and it's a bit like acting, and yeah. especially if you're in the editorial side of things, yeah. I imagine there's very parties and... Yeah, <laughs> it can, can be, can So be. how long do you think you can carry on doing this though, Pete? I mean, do you think about the future at all? Do you, do you think, do you have a little image of yourself in 10, 20 years' time? Will it, do you think you'll go back to salon? Do you think you're salon-based? Yeah, I mean, I still do a couple of a couple of days. Yeah, in the sal, which for me is is probably my most enjoyable time because these clients I've had for you know nearly ten years, a lot of them. So it's it that is I see them more than my family. So so I do love that. In terms of going back to working in a salon full time, you know, it's it's really hard Mm. being on your feet all day and and dealing with that demand. So at the minute, I love the versatility. and I'm just enjoying each day creatively and, and growing from that. In the future, God, I don't know, I try not to, to overthink it because when I do, I think, well, what am I going to do? How long can you sustain this? Don't because forget the pension plan, though, because I pension. think that, <laughs> that is yeah. something that, um, you know, with people working in different ways, that's yeah. something that can get forgotten, is this yeah. idea that, you know, you do need to have a pension plan, whether it's something that you're putting together yeah. whether it actually is a pension plan or whether it's investments or something that gives yeah. you a future yeah I think that's a really valid point actually because it's it's something that we 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 don't get taught about at school no. is it and no, and you, right. you know for me now having to deal with like tax VAT all of these things I've never really had to worry about no, no. that just confuse the life out of me it's, it's yeah. all of these things that that we're not we don't share enough of we share a lot yeah. of the creative journey but actually the the nitty gritty of it. The nuts and bolts, how to do it. Yeah. I think it's true. I think Lauren and I see people who might have worked for a big salon group um, for quite a long time and then sort of move away and do something on their own and that they didn't realise how much was done for them yeah. in a group. 100%. You know, whether it's plans, whether it's payments, whether it's mm. organisations, you know, somebody to phone up at and say, why aren't you at work? Or, you know, for, for you to say, well, I feel a bit poorly, I'm going home. When you're on your own, you have to be mm. really organised. Mm-hmm. And that might go against the grain. You think, oh, I want to be a free spirit. Yeah. Or, you know, do this and that. But actually, if you can't be organised, it's never going to work. Well, no, because you, you're dealing like, that's it. Booking train tickets, all of these things get done for you. Whereas you have to book the train k- ticket, mm. plus keep the receipt. Yeah. And then a year later, remember that Sort's you've got to then out, yeah. put that yeah. in with your, you know, with all your, your papers and stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's a lot of extra juggling, even, you know, running a website and social media and all these other different things that that are so crucial yeah you know i get work through my agent but instagram is is such a massive thing now for for people finding you and and seeing your portfolio so 
it's, that's a full-time job in itself. Well, we're 20, we are pretty much 24-7 in most aspects. You yeah. know, yeah. I grew up when shops didn't open on a Sunday. Yeah. It was yeah. a half-day closing in most of the villages around where I live, so yeah. even Wednesday was a bit boring. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there was no television till four in the afternoon. and There was only know, four channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I grew up with two to start <laughs> with. <laughs> but, you know, and then the telly would literally go off at whatever it was, 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, yeah. you know. Whereas now we're open all the time, which is great, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's up to us to put some boundaries in. Yeah. yeah. Depending on what you want, whether it's safeguarding family mm. time or I don't thinking. think Yeah. I don't right. think all of the evolution and all new things are good. And I and I think that we're gonna really uh, run ourselves into trouble with social media. I mm-hmm. think it's actually uh, I mean the, the invention of the mobile phone, I remember it very well. That was the end of any free time that you had to yourself or any privacy. Yeah. And um, it's got worse since then, and the stress levels are now constant because you're constantly um, contactable. Contactable, and I and I think that people are starting to realise that whether or not we can go backwards is is I don't think we can, but yeah. I think we're able to manage it. We'll be able to manage it better. Um, but social media needs to be kept in check because the people that make these new these new um, industries, uh, they, they make a lot of money out of it, but they don't actually look at the impact of it on, on people. Yeah, and they and grow so fast yes. as well. So mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at the life of a hairdresser in the past, you know, you would be a hairdresser and you'd either continue into an old age with building a clientele and still be earning good money until you could retire and you have a little nest egg, yeah. Yeah. or you would open your own salon. Um, and I think that if every single hairdresser opened their own salon, we'd be in trouble because there'd be no other salon, there'd be no other shops. There'd just yeah. be salons, yeah. and and again, it'd be a little bit like the barber situation now, where all the barbers now are opening their own place, and so there's not enough to go round, yeah. and that's going to run itself into trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think that as hairdressers, a hairdresser type was a certain stereotype. It used to be girls that were potentially, and I'm going back a few years now. Um, and we may want to cut this bit out after I'm not sure, but they would often <laughs> then go into having a family. Yeah. And so they'd have worked their younger life, had a family, and then that would be their yeah. career life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then do it part-time yeah, afterwards. Yeah, freelance. Right, or freelance. Like, yeah. Yeah. And the men would go on to have their own salon, or they'd get really busy in the salon, and they would carry on and earn money until their, until their retirement. And now what we've got is something completely different where you've got to have 20, 50,000 social media mm. followers yeah. Yeah. in order to, you know, to yeah. what? For what? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of stress. Yeah. It's a lot of stress. My kids at school, when, when they've got Facebook accounts, you know, friend, I had a rule that if you couldn't tell me within three seconds how you know that friend, I would delete them. Wow. Because, like you know, they were t- 11, 12 years old with a thousand friends. I said, you can't possibly know all these people. Yeah. So I'd sit there with my hand on the Did button. You? That was great. And just say, right, who's this person? And if they hesitated, I'd be like, right, they've gone. Because it. it was a competition. That's my girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mum deleted it last night. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like the likes thing. The likes thing is completely addictive. It is yeah. addictive. Yeah. yeah. We all and you and you constantly feel like you know you get a WhatsApp message. You feel like you need to look at it, and then I feel like I need yeah. to reply because I'm so busy. Yeah. I think if I don't reply now, I'm never. And you know that reply. they've seen that you've exactly. seen yes. it. Once well, I found out that people could see when I'd read it, yeah. I've actually stopped opening messages until I've got time to read them because then at least they know I'm not ignoring them. They haven't read it. 
Because, yeah, otherwise... Because so if you emails. don't reply straight away... No, I don't, I don't really answer emails because you answer an email, they just send you another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get a thread and stuff. <laughs> right? So I'm known to not answer emails so much. If someone really wants to talk to me, they can either text me or phone me and I'm more than likely to respond to that. Yeah. Because, you know, I just find it painful going for emails. Yeah. yeah, well, we in being office based, don't we, Lauren, with the team? Sometimes I'll say, "Come on, let's just try and make a phone call." Yeah, yeah. The, pho- the phones don't well, ring. No, yeah. Yeah. Just email constantly. We had somebody who worked with us; they don't any longer. Um, who used to email me from the other side of the room? <laughs> I'd be like, "Hello, I'm here." <laughs> but I think but, it's like that. It's kind of I don't know. It takes away their confidence a bit because mm-hmm. you see some of the younger girls or yeah. whatever. They, they don't want to pick up the phone. It's like, no, no. you just have a conversation like you normally would, but I think it's so alien to them now that yeah. they would text, and yeah. it's quite a shame to I not be able to people, have a conversation. people look at their phone as if they've got a little friend. Yeah. yeah. You're never on alone with an iPhone. Yeah, yeah. 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 never alone like, with an iPhone. On the trains and yeah. the street, yeah. on the tables, at, you know, people at restaurants. Just looking at their phone, just like an extension of their brain now. It's... And people but, think it helps you to be more organised, but actually it doesn't. It just takes a lot more yeah. mind Well, you've got to know to how to manage it. Yeah, it's it like it becomes your memory, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It actually helped me a lot in my in my creative work, I must be honest. The, yeah. the, the camera and the photographs. That, I, But I teach that. Yeah. I teach use it. Mm. Yeah. But, you know... Yeah. I, it, it's not all wrong. No. But there were times... Somebody I was having lunch with recently left the table to take a phone call and I immediately reached my phone and I thought, no... Yeah. I'm going to not do that because when they come back to the table, if I'm on my phone, it kind of makes it all right for them to have yeah. gone to take the phone call. Yeah. So I deliberately yeah. sat there and sort of gazed at the scene <laughs> <and> gazed <laughs> not knowing what to do. Try <laughs> to think something. Just, be, you know, it was actually, I was quite pleased with myself mm. and I thought I must do this more often, just not reach the phone. Yeah, and I think touching on, on what you said about emailing you from across the room, I think <laughs> when it's written down, people take, they've, they've almost got this bit of courage, they, yeah. they become a different persona. Yeah. Yeah. on the social media, on um, email or text, and they've lost the art of communicating by talking or, yeah, yeah. or through the work or however, because yeah. they've, they've, it's, they've got this little kind of persona going. And I think, yeah. I think that's quite, that can be quite dangerous because you don't really know who you're meeting now, no, do you? No, you, no. you get a false idea of how someone yeah. might be. Well, you read a message with a voice in your head, but it might not be the voice with which mm. it was written. Yeah. You know, you can take offence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. So you can yeah. miss things. Gotcha. But yeah, it's um, mm. it's really difficult. I feel like we've covered so much in this podcast. <laughs> Life lessons. Yeah, it's been really it. nice for me to catch up with Pete. Actually, yeah, yeah likewise. Aww. It's been lovely. It's been lovely. Aww. I think his future will be be coming back to work with me. <laughs> when he's we've got fresh so out with oh, I miss you guys. It's like I was going to mention earlier when you were talking about the coffees. It is true, and the more coffees he has, the more hyperactive he is. <laughs> I could, I could tell. I know him so well. I could tell earlier when he started, he when he started feeling the coffee kick in. That oh, here we go. Oh, I could tell the coffee was coming. That's nice like that. that you get to know something. Well, thank you both yeah, so much. You. That's thank really you. interesting. It's been yeah. lovely chatting to you. We should be very to good yeah, and welcome. limit ourselves and stay yeah, quite good. Definitely. But do come back at some point. Well, for to. those cakes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. That was the Respectfully podcast. Um, You'll find all our podcasts on iTunes. Don't forget to scroll down for all of the show notes and definitely don't forget to rate and review us. Oh, it was exhausting having Akin and Pete in here. <laughs> I know, but such fun. It it's was so such nice fun, but they've just got together. such busy schedules, so it's great that they could come I know, down. it's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of which, we've got to go. Yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs>